I got quoted by one team. They wanted uh, half a million dollars, and they wanted me to – and I was like, whoa, wait a second. I was hoping to get paid. <laughs> so wait a second. Okay. Hey, jeez, jeez. All right, we're live on the Money Lab podcast, apparently. I'm just finding out. I love these out. cold starts. I love this. this. is so much fun. Welcome to our podcast. I'm Parker Klingman. Uh, joined as always by Landon Castle. This is our podcast about all motorsports, which we will discuss a lot of motorsports on this one. Um, some things you can expect is some controversy surrounding the clash. We have uh, some shakeups in the FIA. We have a guest on this episode, an impromptu guest who joined literally off a of text one minute later, which was awesome. Bob Pockris, the king of NASCAR media in a lot of respects. He will join us to discuss some of those pressing issues in NASCAR. Uh, we have the racing season officially kicking off with Formula E and the roar before the 24 coming up this weekend. Lots to dive into, some short track and sim racing news. But, of course, we always start, Landon, with the PR lap where we talk about our favorite thing in the world, ourselves. Let's do it. All right. What, what's, good, what's good about us this week, Parker? Pretty big deal. This week around us. Uh, I don't know how to put this in any other way than last week was the biggest episode of the Money Lap podcast in its less than year long history. Most consumed episode ever between YouTube and podcasts. So thank you, listeners, viewers, for uh, paying attention and participating. It means a lot to us to have that support and to know that. You know, as we say, more people than just our moms were listening. But we did get Except, called out, by the way. I was going to say, we got called out for clickbait, which we I've did been pretty telling hard. you. I've been telling you. We're, we're, we're like toying with the uh, – we're, we're – oh, we're in dangerous waters with some of these thumbnails. So you, well, what, what, the, what the audience does not know is I have protested thumbnail photos. But I'm told <laughs> from our production team – and all of our oh yeah, I'm even getting a thumbs up from my gestures. I'm I'm told that from the production team and our social media team that we have to do these cheesy thumbnails on YouTube. And well, they say it works. And then now we we're getting called out for clickbait. What's going on? Well, we did get called out for clickbait because we said Parker was fired basically on the thumbnail. But oh, that is clickbait. Guess what? It did have our highest click through rate of the entire time we've ever done anything on YouTube. Oh, it's so like a drug. Was, very that did work. I do want to say we were called out by Major Seven Forty Seven, who said you were not fired. Technically, I was fired, so we were not lying. And I'd like to make this pact with the listeners. I made a pact last week uh, about going and subscribing and f- to our po- uh, YouTube and to our podcast and sending it to three friends. Please do that. But this is my other pact. In terms of thumbnails, look, YouTube is a simple game. You got to get the click through rate. You got to get people to click on the thumbnail. For us, we have a new formula for that. We want 10 out of 10s, which means as far as you can possibly go in terms of getting people to want to click, but it has to have truth in it. We're not going to 11 to 10. We won't be lying. So if you see a thumbnail and you're like, ooh, that's pretty incendiary by Money Lab, just know there is an element of truth. Now, that truth might be stretched so thin, it's like a <laughs> piece of gum that's been chewed and pulled all the way apart, just waiting to break. Uh, but we will be telling you the truth. That's our past. Spoken from two guys that did not go to journalism school or anything like that, <laughs> nor do we claim to be journalists. We're just a couple of race car drivers talking 
to ourselves. Uh, we just want please people like to and subscribe. Do all of the internet things uh, that help connect us to you and to you to the rest of the people you know, um, and to Siri and Alexa, and then eventually your Instagram ads and all of that good stuff. Please like and subscribe <laughs> to all that stuff. Let's talk about our e our e racer e NASCAR team because we had some big stuff going on that week this week too. Do you want to break the news? Um, you know what? Yeah, absolutely I do, because we have been at this for a couple of years, and we need to make some improvements. We need some performance. Um, we've had some incredible drivers over the years, but we're kind of taking a strategic move, a little bit of a money ball move, you might say, to squeeze the last. I shouldn't even say last. I think he can last forever. We've signed four-time eNASCAR Coca-Cola Series, iRacing Series champion, Ray Alfala. Bam. To racer the winningest driver in eNASCAR history, uh, more championships than anyone. We've also signed second-year driver Tyler Gary. He's mm -hmm. a technical alliance with Ray Alfala, so that means they're going to be sharing setups, working together, building together, which we'd like to see that on our team. Second winningest driver in moon car history, which really Whoa. means nothing in the grand <laughs> scheme of things of eNASCAR, but for the eRacer eNASCAR team, we are the meme team. Yep. We are 42 and 69, the two best numbers in all of motorsports. Tyler won the inaugural Moon Car 24, so we put some, um, some <laughs> emphasis into that. And going <laughs> along um, with our theme at, at E-Racer, we like drivers that have some real-world ties. So he's a, he's a mod light driver for Superior Chassis, so he's got some real-world driving experience. And hopefully we can make some connections for him, and he can perform for us on the virtual track and help grow the brand and grow the whole series. Ray also drives for USPS, uh, which is his day job. So he does a lot of driving, whether it's in his free time working for eRacer or in his real day job. Uh, he also made a request that we had to basically know that this was a, ma a match made in heaven, essentially, when he said, I want to drive the number 69 for the meme team that is the flagship vehicle <laughs> we appreciate that he gets the 69 tyler gary being the 42 and yeah we're excited i think this is a big move for our eraser team i think we were dead last in team standings last year so we can only go up from here yep we can only go yeah. up from here and you know what for those of you that don't follow iRacing, don't follow the um the e-nascar coca-cola iRacing series um, or world championship as they call it as well. Uh, this mm -hmm. is actual professional esports, you know, the motorsports version of professional esports. And yep. these drivers are as good as they get. They're better than anything I can do in a sim, anything Parker can do in a sim. Um, it, it's absolutely amazing what they can do in a simulator, uh, in a racing sim. And they are acknowledged by NASCAR, the champions, uh, I think that they are crowned at in Phoenix on championship weekend, or maybe it's a, a few weeks before that. But, uh, I mean, there's some real, I like, as I like to say sometimes, some adult money uh, involved <laughs> in this. And so this race team um, is actually as much fun as we have. It is a very serious thing, and these drivers are professionals, and they take it My dad seriously. likes to say, uh, a billion here, a billion there, and soon we're talking about real money. So <laughs> That's uh, right. No, they're not racing for a billion dollars, but they are, they are 
in the grand scheme of things, the esports world, even just professional motorsports, uh, it's significant. Three hundred fifty thousand dollar prize pool this year. Um, you know, iRacing has invested in Coca Cola as well in in raising that prize pool to the highest level yet, and it's uh, it's a cool deal to be a part of. It's always fun when we run up, run up front. It's been fun when we've run dead last. So we're looking forward to that. Let's move on. Um, reviews. We made a pact with all of you listeners and viewers that you would send this to three friends. You did that. People gravitated to that episode more than ever before, yet we got zero new reviews on Apple Podcasts. We've made a decision that we want to get to 200, and we'll do something crazy. We're at 138, all still five stars, but no new reviews, so please go review us there. Uh, We got zero feedback on Spotify. That must mean we're perfect. We did get called out for our clickbait on YouTube, and... Something new dropped in our newsletter today on Wednesday, January 17th. You may have noticed at the bottom of it, if you're a subscriber, Parker's POV, one of the worst names ever, um, pretty much the most self-indulgent <laughs> name of all time. It's an area for me <laughs> to uh, give my point of view on some things in motorsports that uh, I find interesting, usually once a week, and you'll see those on Wednesdays. I'm not posting them anywhere else, so if you want to see those, subscribe or have your friends subscribe and send it to you. But, yeah, we did get nice feedback from Tom Ellis, who said, great job of Parker's POV. Keep them coming. Interesting points on the Porsche Club guys and their followers versus NASCAR drivers. So much opportunity out there. So you'll have to yeah. go check that out if you want to see what I said. It is interesting. And, and you know, I, I do um, – you definitely need to check out the Money Lap newsletter and look at Parker's point of view. I'm going to say point of view. I don't even know if I can say the other thing because it's just weird. But um, it it is – Interesting to point out, you know, the difference between NASCAR, Porsche Club. Um, you know, there's a difference. They're both racing. Um, there's kind of an enthusiast collector sort of aspect to the Porsche Club, maybe. Um, you know, so it, it's, it's just an interesting perspective. Um, speaking of collecting, if you are a racing mm. enthusiast looking for high-quality diecasts and apparel, look no further than SpoilerDieCast.com, one of the fastest-growing companies in the industry. What sets them apart? Let me tell you, Parker. At SpoilerDieCast.com, mm. they pride themselves on exceptional service. All orders ship either the same or next day, ensuring you get your hands on your favorite diecast products in no time. Here's the best part. They offer free shipping on orders over $20. That's right. You can enjoy a smooth and affordable shipping and shopping experience through SpoilerDieCast.com. With over 800 unique products in stock, that is NASCAR, F1, Dirt Sprint Cars, IndyCar, they are passionate racing fans. So they are constantly growing their offerings, growing their inventory, one of the largest inventories in the industry, SpoilerDieCast.com, for all of your diecast needs. Tried to kind of segue from the whole Porsche Club collector car. I thought it was great. No, I thought it was perfect. It was really well done. Best of 2024 by far. Way better than last week's. Really? I thought last week's was good. No, this was smooth, though. You you never missed a beat. I didn't even know it was coming. So that's when I know they're good. (laughs) It's like my okay. best friend who's an actor, and I always tell him my best, under, my best like, feedback I can give him is the times when he's done such a good job, I don't know it's him. And so when you do such <laughs> a good true. job, I don't know I'm getting an ad read written it, read to me. So love it. Thank you, Spoiler Diecast. Go check them out, SpoilerDiecast.com. They'll be with us all year. They are the best. Huge supporters of the Money Lap, and that means they're great people. Let's jump into some of the biggest news like we promised. We said it. We have a guest coming on here to talk about some of this news, and it starts with, in NASCAR, this 
bomb that was dropped by the man himself, Bob Pachris, uh, about Saturday at the Clash, where the Cup Series stars will be doing heat races to get set up for what on Sunday will be an LCQ, and then there's a NASCAR Mexico race for the first time at the Clash, and then eventually a feature race. Uh, it turns out no fans are allowed in attendance for the Saturday portion of that event. So really weird. There was a collective WTF, I think, across the internet. Whether these people who are all on the internet planned on going or not, uh, Landon, as a heat race connoisseur yourself, I think majorly disappointing for you not to be able to go there for the heat races. <laughs> um, yeah, I think so. I would say, I don't know. I mean, I, mean, I, I think that I am generally a supporter of NASCAR's decisions. Um, I think that it's possible that we might be looking into this a little bit too deep, but I'm anxious to see what Bob has to say about it. I want I want to see some heat races, man. That's what I'm going for, <laughs> the heat races. I Can I just say, before we get Bob on here, you know, to me, seeing this at first, you know, initially you're like, okay, of course there's going to be a reason. And I think that will come out in due time. And I think we can pretty much understand that it has usually a lot to do with these sorts of events, and especially an exhibition event like this being a, an odd uh you know, a, a departure from every other event that possibly there's some difference or thought process in how you run these events and obviously what is considered the actual event. And I think that's Sunday. So anyway, we've talked. Let's get Bob on. Why don't we do that? Get him on and see what he has to say about what he's when he found this and what his feedback and response was to no fans being there on Saturday. All right, now join us on the pod, Bob Pachris, the king of NASCAR media, <laughs> the most informed guy in all of this sport. Landon Castle got him here on the Money Lab podcast to discuss this really interesting situation, Bob, which you showed the rest of the NASCAR world in that for the clash coming up in two weeks, no fans are allowed on the grounds on Saturday for the heat races. What is happening here? <laughs> well, I just kind of found that out myself yesterday. I think, you know, in the past, you had a practice day on Saturday, and then the heat races, last chance qualifiers, main event on Sunday. And I want to say the first year, maybe there weren't fans on Saturday. And then I think last year, I know there were some fans in the in the stadium uh, for practice. But uh, the heats were always on Sunday, and now the heats being moved to Saturday because you have the NASCAR Mexico Series race on Sunday. You know, it's kind of created. Uh, you know, NASCAR says, "Well, Hag has not been planning on selling tickets, so for for Saturday, <laughs> and <laughs> so that's um, he certainly has uh, some of the fan base uh, upset, and you know, people, you know, want want to see the heats. Those are uh, those are." Uh, fun short races that they really get into hmm you know i think those are um i think to the traditional fan maybe it is um a little bit of a different experience to be told that you can't come you know that there's no a available tickets to be able to come watch live part of the race weekend that actually sets the starting lineup for the main event but i mean if you think about the purpose of this event and and the, the venue and the location, um, you know, NASCAR's done an incredible job with, you know, kind of injecting ourselves into this new, different market and, and pursuing a new, new type of fan. Um, 
I don't know if it, we need to read too much into it, um, other than the main event is is on Sunday with NASCAR Mexico and and the Clash, right? And that's NASCAR puts a huge investment in that. Uh, we've got Machine Gun Kelly coming. Um, it's just a it's it's a big one day event in terms of the main event. Uh, the heat racing, I believe, is still broadcast, right? So, yep. um, you know, we'll still get to watch it um, live on Fox and uh, see the whole event going on uh, for Sunday. <clears throat> I mean, is there a thought that, like, there's this was some of this was a, how mm-hmm. I say, business decision? I mean, is were there a lot of fans there last year for practice and qualifying? I mean, is it? Uh, I, I wouldn't say a lot. I'd say, I mean, looking at some video, you know, one of the sections had a smattering of fans in it, you know, but mm-hmm. I think it's, uh, you know, I, if you're trying to grow the sport, you know, I, I think, you know, I mean, it's easy to spend other people's money and say, hey, open up. And if one person comes in, that's great. Right. You know, but right. uh, that's um, it's a uh, it's not a. Uh, it's not my it's not my money but um you know i think uh hmm. certainly shows you know nascar again the, the the passion fans and you know we'll see uh you know the uh i guess kind of what happens well, what <laughs> so, do you think it, last year this event was new right and <laughs> uh well in the last two years it it was it's been new um it's been fresh it's been exciting is that is there are we reaching a point where it's potential that that is wearing off for the sport or is there, you know, a a regeneration of, of new energy towards this event for you um, in your thoughts right now? Well, I mean, I think anytime something's new that this, the next few years after it are always probably going to be a challenge now, except, you know, when we talk about Chicago, I think everybody's so looking forward to one in the dry, hopefully. (laughs) Right. So I think they're, I think (laughs) Chicago is going to get the benefit of almost two first events. Uh, But this event, you know, obviously adding the NASCAR Mexico series, I think is a sign that, you know, NASCAR wanted to, you know, thought that, you know, maybe it it needed something to kind of spark or continue interest, something, something different in its uh in its third try there so let's let's talk about you know first of all on sunday you can have the lcq which is a major race you got the nascar mexico race plus the feature race so there is a full card of racing on that sunday but i think more so than just a specific race and that it is odd that you're in a huge market like la you have cars on track in an era, when you think about it, we're not allowed to test anymore, really, besides just very small amounts of series-designated test or tire testing, right? We don't really practice that much. It's around 15 to 20 minutes at times, right? And now we have this big event that's in the, the center of a city. We've lost a race there from Auto Club. Would it not is it is it odd to you that in this era that we're talking about lacking almost content in some respects you have cars on the track and you're not going to use that to to show people that i just i get it and i get probably the business reasons and that sort of thing but to me it's so odd bob i mean you and i have sat these tracks and seen you know when when there's people there and there's not enough going on or there's not enough going on and therefore there's not people this is an odd decision from my point of view yeah and you know, I think, you know, I, th- I think as you know, 
you know, how long have they known that the heat races were going to be Saturday for sure, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. kind of NASCAR kind of toys with these schedules a little bit. Uh, they haven't put out the schedule till this week. I mean, obviously, they're, they kind of probably had a, a feeling or, or knew which way they were leaning. But, you know, I think that maybe they possibly, and again, I haven't talked to anybody about at NASCAR about this, but I would say, you know, hey, they didn't have people there on, on the first day on Saturday in the past. And, you know, if they didn't know, uh, didn't know when the heats were going to be, maybe that's when this, uh, when this decision was made. But I, I mean, look, you know, Hmm. I think for all, for people who want the sport to be exposed to as many people as possible, you, you'd love to have the, you say, well, yeah, open the gates and let people see it (laughs) and experience it. I think that would, to me personally, the best way to sell race cars is to go and see some damn race cars on a racetrack. And you got that opportunity. I just feel it's an odd thing to not take advantage of it. Is there is there any reason for us to think that this is possibly, you know, I know this is a very unique event. There's no is there a reason to be looking towards other events this year in your opinion that we should be on notice that could be changing in some respect or is this an isolated thing in your your thoughts? Oh, I think it's I think it's your pretty opinion. isolated. I, th- I think it's pretty, you know, I mean, there, there's occasional, you know, some weekends where there might be like a third, you know, a, an early truck or Xfinity practice where sometimes the stands don't aren't necessarily open, but I wouldn't expect it. Uh, I wouldn't expect any changes at any tracks beyond this. Don't worry. Us truck and uh, Xfinity Jim Oaks don't deserve mm-hmm. to have the uh, the attention anyway. Don't worry. <laughs> I, I, I want to throw. I'm going to throw a random question out there, Bob, because there's, you know, it's the beginning of the racing season. There's news floating from all over. I know you focus on NASCAR. Um, but last week we had there was some big news with Gunther Steiner and, and Formula One, <laughs> and now we don't know where he's going to end up. Is Gunther Steiner going to be at the Clash? Uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I haven't heard any plans for him to be there, um, and uh, but I guess you. Ne- I guess you never know. But I haven't. I haven't heard any plans, and uh, you know. But yeah, that was. I guess that was a little bit surprising news. I guess you're never surprised when <laughs> a team that struggles makes moves, right? Which never, never should be surprised, right? Uh, it- uh, you know. But still, I think. Uh, I think everybody wants to see where he is uh where he is going to land and what he's going to do next if you had to place your bet would you bet that gunther steiner would be in a car in a pit box or in a tv booth next year which would you say um i would say i would say he would probably have a microphone i don't know whether he'd be in a booth but uh just him uh roaming around but i can tell you this if he whatever microphone he has it'll probably have to have a seven second delay or maybe a 10 second delay <laughs> that might be a good fit for nascar though i think That's we should awesome. uh, we need to I bring love him it. over i love that uh, Bob, we're going to let you go. This has been awesome mm-hmm. having you on. But before we do, is there anything else that's on your mind as we hit rubble towards the start of this 2024 season uh, in NASCAR that you're paying attention to that maybe some others aren't right now? Uh, I mean, I think paying attention to the same thing everybody else is looking forward to seeing how some of the new uh, Ford bodies and Toyota bodies and how they perform. I don't think you'll get a good sense of that until kind of a few weeks into the season. And, uh, and again, just kind of looking forward to the clash just to see uh, who uh, who still has some hard feelings from the end of last year and who's going to create some hard feelings for the start of 2024. 
Love it. Mm, awesome. Thanks for coming on, that. man. This has been very cool. We appreciate it. Thank you, guys. All right. Thank you, Bob. Appreciate that. That was cool. Good job on you, by the way, texting him. Get him on here. <laughs> yeah, no problem. <laughs> That's how we do things, buddy lab. We just sort of text and say, hey, come on here. All right. Um, yeah, well, you made, you made your promise that we would have two guests per month and uh, nothing like lining one up literally minutes before starting the show. <laughs> Oh, good. Thank you, by the way, because, yeah, we don't have – would, we'd have struggled to have two for January, so we would, we would have failed at our first pack of the year. Speaking of failure, the NASCAR Cup Series teams and NASCAR have failed to come yet to an agreement on the ongoing charter uh, pass this coming season and into 2025. They have extended those negotiations uh, by a month, I guess, which – <laughs> I guess they didn't really have much of a choice. Um, they're not together. Yeah, yet. I guess. And I want to give a little bit of credit to Bob because after we, you know, after we finished recording with him there, uh, he did kind of say we, we talked about this just briefly, and it was like, what, "What's okay? They extended, but well, what were what were they going to do? Not extend? What does that even mean?" Um, I think it's they've kind of probably reached the point of arbitrary deadlines and negotiations. Um, you know, I think that we all probably know that the real deadline is, is next year's Daytona 500, right? Yep. Um, and I still remain in my position, which is, I don't know what real leverage the teams have. I don't, I don't know at this point, um, other than the inconvenience and it's not a minor inconvenience, but the inconvenience of the possibility that we get a month from Daytona and it seriously looks like Hendrick Motorsports is not going to show up to Daytona, other than that inconvenience, which I don't even think that that's a dagger to the heart of NASCAR. I don't mm -hmm. know what leverage the teams have. And I think that they did have some leverage back when the TV deal was not done because I, and the teams made a run at this, right? This was their strategy was to somehow get the networks to want to... To, to force NASCAR to have an agreement with their teams before the networks would sign a deal. They did not accomplish that, right? NASCAR's yeah. got their TV deals done. So now what? Now what leverage do the teams have? I'm not, mm -hmm. I'm not a doomsdayer. I'm not trying to be cynical. But if I look to the doomsday scenario, and I think to myself, we're a, week, we're a month away from Daytona, and there's no agreement, and it looks like the teams will seriously boycott Daytona, what do you think would actually happen, right? I think mm -hmm. that NASCAR is plenty capable of fielding their own cars, right? Plenty capable of finding teams or people with cars to field in the race. And I think that NASCAR, I would, go, I would even go as far to say that I think that NASCAR is plenty capable of calling a driver like Chase Elliott and saying, uh, if Hendrick breaches their contract with you, which is to provide a car in the Daytona 500 for Chase Elliott, if they breach mm -hmm. a co their contract with you, we will still provide a place for you to race and pay you to do it. And I, st and I think that in that moment, again, I'm like, this is so far out. Like, this, this is doomsday, <laughs> This is right? highly theoretical. Yes. But it's highly theoretical. But it's just like, that's, if we're talking about all this face-off and all this stuff, that's what we're facing, right? And mm -hmm. in my belief, in that moment, NASCAR wins. I think yep. NASCAR wins Chase Elliott. I don't think it is a. I, I, 
That's where the money is. That's where the yeah. racetrack is, the Daytona 500. I don't think Chase Elliott cares if he's driving a next-gen car, an ARCA car, whatever. I think he will get paid cash money, homie, to drive in the <laughs> Daytona 500. And he'd probably, NASCAR will probably be paying, paying him more than what Hendrick Motorsports would pay him to do it. And, it, and not, I'm not saying that it wouldn't fracture the sport. I'm not saying that yeah. it wouldn't put the sport, we wouldn't spiral into some dark days. I'm not saying that some drivers will do it, some drivers won't, right? I'm just saying that I think at the end at the end of the day, NASCAR is the one that owns Daytona. NASCAR is the one that owns Talladega, right? NASCAR is the one that owns these races that matter and the brand and the, the, the you know, the whole thing. Yep. And I think that they win this one. Hmm. And that's where I don't know where the teams have leverage. It is a really great point in that, I felt like for a while the TV negotiation was the the play, right? It was to attach to the TV side and to have seen the TV thing be announced. There was no charter agreement announced with it. I felt like was a blow to those aspirations. And you put it, you know, the teams did try this and it just didn't come together. Adam Stern did report that there's a, he showed an increase of some percentage in what the teams would receive in what they've been offered, I guess, from NASCAR. Um, now, what that percentage really is, I can't figure it out. Now, it looks like 3 or 4%, but then it's apparently 10 or 20% because it's deciding what percentage of what that they're talking about. So it's actually very confusing. It doesn't um, matter. It doesn't, we're wasting it doesn't our time it's, talking about it. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't matter. It doesn't, we, first of all, those percentages to the listeners, it, it means nothing. It doesn't ten percent, twenty percent, whatever. They're all made up numbers. It means nothing. <laughs> what, what the listeners and what the fans and what we really care about is 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 a deal going to get done and what does it mean, right? Like, yep. And you know the other note that that never gets mentioned is you know because I'm talking about leverage points, right? Are the manufacturers' interest in this whole thing, right? Mm. You have Ford, Chevy, Toyota with hundreds of millions of dollars invested in the teams. Right, yep. they have agreements and marketing partnerships with NASCAR too, and these racetracks. Um, but I mean, think about the GM Tech Center, and if <laughs> Hendrick Motorsports and she- well, really any Chevy team is looking at boycotting NASCAR because of this charter agreement, who does GM side with? Yep. Do they go yep. with the teams to go run previous gen cars at Eldora, or do they <laughs> pull their support? <laughs> And stick with NASCAR and say NASCAR will support whatever Chevy you put on the track for Daytona with whoever's driving it. Yeah, right. Like what happens there? And and again, that's that relates to like the question that I have for who who has who really has the leverage here. Mm-hmm. I think we, you know, we won't know. As, as until stuff starts to trickle out and sort of see the design of what happens and if this does get done or if it's kicked if the can is kicked down the road further that is a bad sign in my opinion and i think that is something that you're probably staring in the face from what i understand you know just a little bit of uh feedback from the industry is teams are frustrated right that this isn't done mm-hmm. this should be done why is it not done by now um and i can get that you know you have record charter prices and there's a lot of enthusiasm and there's a ton of optimism. You know, like I, I don't want to sound like we're just going to shill for a second. 
on reasons to be optimistic, but there is a lot of reasons to be optimistic. There's a lot of great things that have happened in the last two, three years. You've mm -hmm. got these invested new TV partners. Who knows what those are going to create? Uh, there's the Netflix show coming out. You know, there's young drivers like Ryan Blaney just goes and wins a championship. I mean, I think there's a lot of reasons to be enthusiastic and optimistic about what's happening in NASCAR, and this is an unfortunate undertone to that right now. So as it's kicked down, I think it continually puts pressure on the sport to to have that optimism that's been around the last couple of years, and that's not good because the optimism has been good. You got anything else on that, or can we move on? No, I, I think that I, I'm glad that you mentioned that because there is a lot to be optimistic about, and, and you said it all. And so the future of the sport is extremely bright, and the teams, the teams, you know, the the, the last, I, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll back up the teams for just a second and say, hey, they should get more money, and I hope they do. I hope that they continue to be healthy and well-funded because I think well-funded and wealthy race teams is good for the sport, and I hope they can, I hope they can find a resolution. I believe they will. I just... Um, I kind of like to accelerate in my mind <laughs> to the, the <laughs> ultimate scenario, and I, and that's my you know my brain is doing that so I can figure out like who 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 really holds the cards here, and I just I think it's NASCAR. Yeah. Well, we'll see how it plays out. Uh, speaking of playing, Machine Gun Kelly will be playing or performing at the Clash for halftime. MGK. Uh, little known fact about myself: do listen to his music occasionally. Maybe it's my toxic trait. I don't know. But I do like his music. I do appreciate it. <laughs> I think you mentioned that you do as well. So uh, I like to see that. Go MGK. Make it happen. That's cool. Switching it up a little bit. I like that. I like that decision. Getting a big name. Yeah, that's going to be cool. And so, I love MGK. You tried to say you secretly love him, but I don't know why you have to secretly love him. I don't know. I think – I don't know why I have to say that, actually. It's kind of like I like my – you know. I'm very into emo music and emo rap, so he would fit sort of in that vein. I was a big Little Peep fan, Juice World, R.I.P. to both of them. So I guess he fits in that, but I don't know if he's as OG as them. He's a, I don't know. He's a good transitional. Well, he yeah. he's a longtime uh, performer that has adapted with, uh, I think, the current mark, uh, music trends. Uh, long-time performers, by the way. Long-time Jimmy Johnson will be running again in the NASCAR Cup Series in a very expanded schedule at this point. Nine races currently, starting the Daytona 500. He has Texas, Dover, Kansas, the first Kansas, the Charlotte 600, the Indianapolis, Kansas 2, Las Vegas 2, and Phoenix to finish the season. So seven-time. He's no showing no signs of quitting, apparently. And... Doing nine races. That's a lot. Uh, kind of interesting interesting selection of races. I think Kansas surprises me a little bit. Uh, Dover in Texas actually surprised me, but maybe not. I mean, Dover, Jimmy's one of the wow. all-time greats at Dover, yeah. so they must really <laughs> think that you know, that'll carry, carry through to some performance. And he also was, I don't want to say all-time. I don't have the stats in front of me, but he was pretty darn good at Texas, too. <laughs> Oh, so, yeah. but this today's Texas is not the same as the Texas that Jimmy dominated. So I don't know what the mindset is there, but um, that's cool. And it also he kind of was giving off these vibes that this is it. Mm -hmm. Again, I don't know. Yeah, um, but he's really uh, he's he's really 
stepping up for Legacy Motor Club, um, which I suppose that was his intention with his acquisition of the of the place. And they've had some positive sponsor news. You know, Advent Health, obviously Do- mm-hmm. Dollar Tree and Family Dollars we talked about last week. Carvana signed on for three more races. So they're doing well in the marketing department, and usually that is a sign of things to come on the performance department when we look at race teams. So I think he's doing what he was, you know, wanted to do there. His team and everyone he's put in place is making it happen. They're moving to Toyota, of course. Um, so I, I think it's, it's interesting. And I, I have no problem with, you know, him using what he does best, which is drive race cars and be a race car driver to mm-hmm. f- move that organization forward. It'd be, you know, I don't see it any different than if in a couple of years, Denny Hamlin's at 2311, running a third or fourth car to push that one forward, right? Maybe he's a little past being full-time, but it's like, hey, I need to do this to get the sponsor or whatever. I'm pushing this. This is how I can help. Yeah, I I hope that I'm anxious to see how this progresses for him in this next arc of his career because I believe that he was just so well-loved as a seven-time champion and the greatest of all time NASCAR driver. That, Mm -hmm. you know, we were so, his brand to me was just the best, right? We're so used to seeing him win that I, I, I feel like it was a, it was a mark on that when for two years we saw him sort of try this other passion product with IndyCar and sports car races and there was no winning. We didn't get to see the Jimmy Johnson we knew, um, Mm -hmm. And and then he's you know returning to the Cup Series with his with a different jersey, right? All the way down to car number, manufacturer, sponsors, everything's different, and and we haven't yep. really seen any relative success, even though he's part time. And how do you you know? And it's just like man, we're my I'm having to reprogram my brain for my love of Jimmy Johnson, from you know the champion that I'm used to watching win to you know whatever this next venture is for him chet that is a really good point <laughs> that is a really really good point and i know this has been said and i think we have said it on here and i just wasn't thinking about that right then and there i almost had for you know put aside what happened indycar and the sports car stuff because i also saw the sports car stuff i got to be around that pit reporting wise and i saw how much fun he was having you know enjoying mm-hmm. it so you know i think for me like that's i've always had the joke Every pro race car driver's uh, goal should be to get rich and go sports car racing. Because oh, yeah. <laughs> that's just where it's fun. But not for the but, sake of my fan's brand. I mean, you know, if yeah. it's it just, just for you, it's just like different it's from the, the fan. I mean, for him, yeah, yeah. I think he, he I, I hope, I, I don't, wouldn't doubt that he had fun and probably doesn't regret a second of it. Um, he just wasn't thinking about my feelings when he did that. <laughs> and what we've because learned is I yours like are Jimmy most Jimmy Johnson in victory lane. That's the only thing I know about Jimmy Johnson is that he wins. And now I need uh, to find another way to love Jimmy! Jimmy Johnson. Yeah, what are you doing, man? I You're will. Rooting I think I will. love. <laughs> I think I will. He, he got you some rings, by the way. I, I do have a few rings from Jimmy, but it was from winning. <laughs> yeah, it was. Now it's from I winning. Get... And you were... You participated yeah. in that. I never got my championship ring as test driver in 2012. I don't know if I've ever told that story. Never, never got it. Nope, no one cared. <laughs> never, not really even a thank you. That's okay. Let's move on. Rick Ware Racing making big moves in 2024. They announced that Justin Haley would be full-time earlier last year. 
Uh, but they announced his number. He'll be in the 51. So that will be interesting to watch, I believe, with a really strong alliance with RFK. They also announced that Kaz Grala will be doing 25 races in the 15 car, which means with this announcement, we finally have confirmation. There are two cars in the NASCAR Cup Series of the 36 chartered that will have multiple drivers, the 16 at Colleague, mm-hmm. the 15 at Rick Rare Racing. They happen to be one number apart, so apparently if you were hoping to have a full-time ride, you've got to be 14 or lower or 17 and above, but don't find yourself <laughs> at 15 to 16. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah and you know what rick good good for rick Ware racing um they are they've taken a lot of he- rick has taken a lot of heat over the years uh but he has built his team from virtually a start and park xfinity team up to you know a multi-series motorsports brand um in a very you know unique and strategic way through kind of licensing See, I, I'm I'm looking at it from an outside perspective, right? It's like he's licensed his brand and his sponsors with other operations and other sports, right? And drag racing, and um, is he in motocross too? Like, I don't I don't know what all he's in. He's in a bunch of different yep. motorsports. He's in motocross, yep. Um, sports cars. They've done sports cars. They were trying to get right, through the 24 hours of Le Mans. Yeah. Um, so you know, he he's had a unique strategy that I think, and he told me this several years ago. Um, that I think that what he saw different than than other teams at the time was just the opportunity of just expanding his marketing platform, right? So being able to go to a sponsor and say, hey, I, my only offering isn't just an NASCAR Cup Series car. I can sell you a sponsor anywhere, right? Or, or a sponsorship mm. package anywhere. And And he obviously was able to find partners to bite on that. And so he would go to Dale Coyne in IndyCar and say, hey, I've got a sponsor. And my only stipulation is you just got to put my name on it too. Right? <laughs> and he's pulled it off. And, um, and, you know, it's definitely elevated his brand. But obviously he's to the point here where his, his Cup Series team now has the best alliance it's ever had, the best drivers it's ever had, you know, the most yep. stable lineup it's ever had. So I still think, you know, I, I'm optimistic for their performance. I still think they'll probably finish 30th in points. Um, yep, because the Cup Series is hard, and you can't you know break into that top twenty five in points without real actual key manufacturer support. But you know their best day is going to be better than what their best day was in the last two years. And that is fascinating what you mentioned about his strategy and that he had thought of this years ago because. We've all mm-hmm. watched it, and there was all the jokes and the memes about world domination and taking over. And Rick, you know, is there is it a series without a Rick Ware car? In twenty forty five, the NASCAR Cup Series is thirty six Rick Ware cars <laughs> versus each other, mm-hmm. sort of stuff. But it is interesting because he did identify a gap, has utilized it, had the charter system come to him to create tremendous value that he's able to leverage upon or use as you know as something to build another series, and now. It's, he has that platform, and I've heard him talk about that. He, I talked to him a little bit at Lime Rock a couple years ago uh, when they were there for their sports car program, and I've talked to him a couple of different places, and I've, I drove a race for him, and that really stuck out to me and how fascinating that was. So kudos to him and identifying that, and for all the, the you know, sort of flack that he's gotten over the years, they identified something and, and went after it, and I think that's awesome. Uh, yeah. So well, by in, the way, in, go ahead. Well, one more point to that is like it's no different than what drivers do when we control sponsorships, right? Yeah. Because if you have a sponsor that's like, hey, yeah, maybe our primary, 
gig is to run Xfinity full-time, but if the sponsor says, man, I've always wondered what those dirt sprint cars were like, uh, okay, put me in one. Let's go. We'll call dirt, the sprint car team. And now all of a sudden you're running you know, full-time Xfinity with a handful of sprint car races or with a handful of truck races or with a handful of sports car races yep. as a driver, right? We, should, we have flexibility to do that. You know, what Rick Ware was really good at identifying several years ago is like, why can't a team owner do the same thing? Right, so he goes to his sponsor, Nurtech, at the time, which was really what ignited that for him. Was hey, you you want other motorsports assets? Okay, cool, I can deliver that. So then mm-hmm. he just goes and partners with an NHRA team, an IndyCar team, an IMSA teams, right? Makes it happen. Yep. Really cool. Uh, one last bit from NASCAR, Front Row Motorsports, pretty big announcement. They are switching their technical alliance from RFK to Team Penske going forward. Uh, this wow. is big for front row because what you need to know is that they're, the way things are designed now, because the manufacturers control wind tunnel time and all that stuff, they actually decide who gets aero data and who doesn't. And front row has not been a part of that. And so with RFK, that was their access point. But moving to Team Penske, maybe there's something where they're even given more access. I believe Travis Peterson, who's a crew chief on the 34, had some things to say about that where basically he said smaller teams like us have to do this to survive. Um, and a lot of that has to just do with that aero data and sort of getting that information in tech. Well, let's, let's not forget that the next gen being on this, the same platform. And I, you know, it's like, I always tie this back to single source manufacturing and that the cars that is a common race car. That is what allows these teams to hop from technical lines to technical lines in a way that oh, yeah. was not as easy, um, before. Right, because mm-hmm. before, just even though they're both Ford teams, to switch from RFK to Penske would have been a whole fleet of cars, right? On top of yep. different simulation, you know, different parts, all kinds of stuff, right? So now it's like it's the same cars. Um, you're just your engineering team is working with a different group of people uh, yep. to to prepare and and bring cars to the racetrack. So. Uh, you know, they didn't have to change any hardware. No bodywork, no no nothing, right? So the builds of the cars might be a little bit different, but not really. I think so that we might see this more often. Allow, do you think that... Do I you think see... you'll see technical alliance hopping more often, and I think mm. you'll see manufacturer hopping maybe not as often, but um, I think it's potential to be more often as well. And the one thing that stops that often has always been the IP, right? Which is... You know, in this, a lot of Formula One is going through this, and we're going to dive into Formula One after this. But the the problem with alliances for the mothership team has always been how much can you give and trust to that smaller team that maybe has people that don't stick around as long, who are changing often, that sort of thing, right? So it forces the the mothership to really have trust. And so, but if it's happening quicker and faster and that sort of thing, or people are doing smaller term contracts that information is going to disseminate throughout the whole field eventually and what you're going to have is less ip in anywhere so i think it's going to be a definite interesting time uh to see this unfold but i think big for front row who have just continued this march up the grid um that has been remarkable since the next since 2021 essentially 2020 so we'll see let's Mm -hmm. dive into formula one um because there's some big things going on over there in that series. You ever heard of that series, by the way? It's got a show on Netflix. And, I don't know. Yeah. A lot of people watch, apparently. 
I, I do love it. I do love We're their off-season to. content. But they got something really interesting going on. And I don't even know where to go with this. But essentially, the FIA is losing key people at a rapid pace right now. And we've seen over the last three or four years a lot of consternation between the Formula One teams and the FIA, between Liberty Media and the FIA, the FIA being the actual governing body of Formula One and sort of the technical rules people and safety and that sort of thing. Whereas, you know, FOM, which is Liberty Media, and the teams are the commercial side to all this. Well, they're losing people really quickly, and they just had the technical director leave who follows the sporting director of last month. Um, and I think there was one or two others that have also left, basically. And Toto Wolf said, who has been the, probably the most, uh, what is the term here, <laughs> incendiary towards the FIA at times, he said the FIA needs stability amid concerning F1 departures at this time. And sort of allude, you know, goes into saying, look, no matter what the organization, if key people are leaving very quickly, there is an issue. Now, that issue can be culture-related. It can be financial-related. It can be all sorts of different things. But there's an issue there that's occurring. And I think this is really interesting because, to me, is this – the FIA losing power in real time, losing influence that could allow the F1 and FOM and, and Liberty Media and the teams to eventually, and this is you know wild, but is that eventually find themselves in a power position over the FIA who have been in such, I guess, a battle as of late? Uh, it's an interesting topic to unpack, and I can't. I can't speak to too much direct knowledge about these personalities and these people at the FIA, but I can tell you that it's interesting that this is happening in a time that is following just rapid growth of the team side of Formula One, right? And when these teams mm -hmm. see rapid growth, you know, the the bosses and the the talent – which might, you know, it's important to note that the talent of a technical director on the FIA, FIA side is the same skill, I'm sorry, same skill base and experience and talent of a team boss and an engineer, right? Those are, those, those people, those talents can flow back and forth from those positions. You see in motorsports, team bosses retire from this side and then they go work for the dark side for NASCAR for <laughs> FIA or something like that. And yep. It's interesting to see, you know, talent leave the the FIA, the governmental side, after seeing rapid growth in the in the team side, um, where that growth is more sponsorship dollars, more money flowing into those teams, probably better compensation packages for those, you know, technical directors on the team side. And I'm not saying I don't know if there's specific instances of these of these guys like Tim Goss and. Uh, those that are leaving the, the FIA right now, are they leaving the FIA and going to teams because that's, there's more money over there? Or what's, what's, the, what's happening? Um, I don't know, but it's, th that's kind of the only um, – that's the connection. It's funny you that went I, that route. The point that I want to make. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's funny you went that route because my initial thought reading all this in the last two days was, well, they're just going to teams to get more money. Because the teams are growing so fast and they're getting so much money. Yeah. And I was Maybe like, I just talk too much about it. Maybe it's that simple. <laughs> <laughs> and 
I don't know. It's funny. I had the same, and I don't have the insider knowledge to know that one way or the other, and we'll find out soon. I'm sure there's non-competes and gardening leave, as they say in Europe and that sort of thing. But it's, to me, is like immediately my thought process, just like yours was, huh, they're, they're going somewhere to get more money from the teams. So we'll see how that plays out. I think what- no matter what, it puts the FAA in a lesser power position at the moment, and it's a bad look. I don't care why they're, you know, whatever the reason they're leaving, it's a bad look. It's not a good situation when they're in such a fight with the teams and, and Liberty Media at the time, especially surrounding the, you know, Andretti Cadillac bid and such. Go ahead. So let me make one more point on this. You probably got mm-hmm. my point, but let me just use one more real, more specific real-world example, but I'll be kind of broad because I won't use names. In... Through the the darkest years of NASCAR team ownership in the last you know ten to fifteen years ago, right the the later two thousands after this boom and, and the teams were busting, um, there was a flock of team directors and team management that became NASCAR staff, right? <laughs> there was a wave mm-hmm. of talent that went from the team side to the NASCAR side. Now. Right now, you see the teams with the charter agreements, these valuations going up, sponsorships are more healthy. We just talked about well, there's you know, 34 out of 36 charter teams have full-time drivers next year. Legacy just signed a 38-race deal with Dollar Tree. Obviously, uh, the teams are healthier right now. And I'm not saying there's a flock going back the other way, but I will say that I've recently bumped into former NASCAR technical folks that i know work for teams now <laughs> just li- within the last two weeks <laughs> getting coffee so uh, so i again i am not saying it's a flock went but but you know over a decade ago the the the, the migration went one direction and and yep. it's possible that it can come back the other and maybe the same thing is happening in faa right now where this Formula One teams are just so healthy and rich right now because of everything that happened that now you have people that worked for the dark side, the technical side, where it's like, well, hang on a second. I want to cash in on some of this with the teams. <laughs> and they know the rules really well. We should hire them. Speaking of hiring, <laughs> yeah. Haas F1 team has hired an American driver. They have announced that Chloe Chambers will represent Haas F1 for the 2024 F1 Academy Series, competing with Campos Racing, where the F1 teams have all aligned with these in the F1 Academy to sort of put their livery and sponsors and that sort of thing on the cars and dry, sign development contracts with um, these drivers. Chloe Chambers, I've actually met her. She was on my show Proving Grounds back in uh, on NBC Sports in 2020 when we did a, nice. our last episode at Lime Rock. And she was just a young go-kart racer at the time. She had set a world slalom record, I believe, at the time with Porsche in like a Cayman GTR. Um, but she's been racing all over and now is getting this chance in the F1 Academy. So cool. Cool to see Haas hire an American. Cool to see a young American woman. Came in GTR sounds fun. Yeah, that would be cool. But I, I'm excited. I just, I love seeing Americans doing well over there. I, uh, another American, uh, that just announced a new ride over in that world was Max Esterson who announced his F3 ride, which is cool. So they're, they're coming. They're on their way to the top and you know, it's such a different vibe than it was. 15 years ago, where 15 years ago, you were an American trying to do what they're doing, and you were not welcome. So it's very cool to see. Hopefully she does. I think she'll do great, though. So love it. Um, Global Motorsports, before we end this pod for the this week, 
uh, Formula E kicked off in Mexico City. It was not the most entertaining race I've ever watched, unfortunately. The cars do look hard to drive. It looked interesting, but they did uh, have zero passes at the front. <laughs> and the second-place driver, I need you to – I don't have the exact quote here, but I'm just going to basically um, summarize his point, which was he got out and he said, I didn't really try to win. <laughs> because you know it just seemed it didn't seem right i was happy with second and then the the reporter said so you 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 just decided to be happy with second and take it and <laughs> and the the driver responded yes i think it was sebastian buemi and i was like wait that is the worst thing i've ever heard in my life nobody should ever get out and be like <laughs> not i was happy with second see you later good points day he's like yeah good points day that sort of thing so this was at the hermanos rodriguez uh, track that NASCAR raced at, by the way. A little different configuration. Obviously, it's where F1 races yeah, as well for not... the Mexican GP. But they still go to the stadium. They had 40,000 people in attendance uh, for the Formula E race in the stadium. It was packed. So great crowd, great. The cars look great. The series look great, but not the most entertaining race. And you got us. Uh, what's our buddy, Jeff Dodds, the, the CEO of Formula yeah. E? Do not allow your drivers to get out and say they were happy to finish second <laughs> ever again. <laughs> yeah, I don't. We'll have to watch that. Make sure you know. Uh, subscribe to the Money Lap newsletter if you want some more updates on on Formula E because we cover it well in the newsletter, um, yep. and we we can move on from this. I will make a note for everything we love about Formula E and where that we see the great racing is on those tight street courses. Yeah. Right. I mean, they lit yep. up Monaco on a race weekend where F one just has been killing us with these large cars at Monaco. Um, to see them race on that course in Mexico City is like, I, I don't know if that track's a good fit for them. It's a great track. Yeah. I enjoyed racing on it, but uh, um, in a stock car, not in a Formula E car that I think belongs on a tighter, shorter street course. Shit, I didn't know you raced in that race. You did Mexico? Sure no way. did. Yeah, wow. it was a good, good time. Yeah. Huh. I didn't even get to do it. It looked cool. It was like a cool event. Huge crowd when you guys were there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was good stuff. <laughs> we'll have to dive into some of those stories because I've heard a lot of crazy stories of that era. I, I'll just tell one real quick. Uh, I, did, I didn't have any Penske crazy team. ones, but I did. You know, well, it just was an interesting experience. Well, I have a crazy one. There was a Penske team who was in the Penske truck rental livery, I believe, who wrecked. I want to say they wrecked Adrian Fernandez or one of the local heroes, and they they took their Bad shirts move. off leaving because they were like, we were going to get stoned. You had to go through the grandstands and leave, and they were like, we're not wearing <laughs> these shirts leaving. <laughs> yeah, not a good so, move. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, this coming weekend, we mentioned at the beginning, the Roar Before the 24, which is the basically pre-event to the Rolex 24 at Daytona, which I'll be at for uh, working for NBC in the pits. But... I just want to give a shout out. If you're not paying attention to what's happening for this Rolex 24, this weekend is the Roar where they basically set the lineup uh, for the Rolex. These are some of the names that are in this race in the GTP category. <laughs> uh, Formula One champion Jensen this Button, Felipe Massa, uh, Scott Dixon, Alex Pillow, Marcus Erickson, Carlton Herta, Joseph Newgarden, Scott McLaughlin, Paddle Award, Felix Rosenquist, and of course your host of Sports Car Stars. You've got Alexander Rossi uh, with James Hinchcliffe. Romain Grosjean with Iron Lynx and Devlin DiFrancesco as well racing. So huge IndyCar influence, Formula One influence, and of course you have, as I said, all the sports car stars. So 
this race, I think in some respects, is just the greatest kept secret in all of motorsports. Now, last year was a record attendance, mm-hmm. but it's still not anything like Le Mans or any of those you know, the events. Even, even the Petit Le Mans, I think, gets a bigger crowd. But mm-hmm. it is just the most star-studded field every time I'm there. Every time I'm there, I'm like, hey, that's, that's a Formula 1 driver. Hey, that's an F1 team principal. That's, uh... Oh, and one other thing. I believe Brad Pitt will be there. They're filming a portion of the movie. Oh. Yeah, the, the F1 movie is <laughs> oh, that's Lewis right. Hamilton. So they're filming a piece. They're, it's, they've got a car running through the night. Slash he, they've got another car there. Apparently the script is that he's like a veteran sports car racer that goes back to Formula 1 to help mm-hmm. a young driver. Very similar to the uh, documentary called Driven that came out in the early 2000s with Joe Tanto by uh, Sylvester Stallone. I hope so. not. Oh, dear God. <laughs> Please don't say that. No, it's an exciting lineup. I think those... There's some some good drivers. I wish we. I would rather see some more current F1 drivers make yeah. it over to that event. And by the way, did we? For, are we? We pretty much don't want NASCAR drivers in the Rolex. 20. Have we? Have we <laughs> succeeded I the tried, need man. for NASCAR drivers in Rolex now? Are we not good enough. I think we're we may not, not be because look at that. Cool enough. That look. <laughs> well, I don't want to say not cool enough. You just look at that lineup right there and tell me which NASCAR driver in the field could compete against any one of those guys. Not in a GTP car, Almendinger? especially. You know. Well, I think not, the GTP car, yeah. he would probably be the only one, but that's a really tough scenario for them to jump into. You know, it's not the Daytona prototype was a little bit more consumable. The GTP cars are proper prototypes, you know, open wheel design, high downforce. The hybrid systems are kind of wild. I couldn't even get a ride as a silver. Um, I got quoted by one team. <laughs> they wanted a half a million dollars, and they wanted me to, and I was like, whoa, wait a second. I was hoping to get paid. <laughs> so wait a second. And I was like, I'm okay bringing a little money, like figure it out, but like nowhere is there for me to get paid in a half a million dollar request. So and I had a half a million in Sebring. You were like, yeah, that's about what I was thinking. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I get paid, and I, I was, I had to do yeah. like Sebring, and I was like, well, I can't do that. I just want to do the Rolex, and it just sort of died. So I've had no success wow. getting a chance to drive sports cars. Probably in my, you know, right when. I'm basically on my deathbed. Someone will call me and say, hey, we want you to come race. They'll finally get the chance. But well, I'll be on TV. Continue, so. If you continue to like and subscribe to the Money Lap, maybe someday we'll afford to put together <laughs> We'll a be able to do it. That's, great. Hour team. That's a great plug. Please like and subscribe, and we might get the Money Lap team going out there one day. Dakar Rally update. Just want to give a shout-out once again to some of the Americans, if you're not paying attention. Um, Ricky Brayback now leads the bikes by about 10 minutes. You've got... Uh, Sarah oh, Price. Two seconds. Just, no, it's it's ten minutes. That was on the stage nine. He barely won stage nine. Um, okay. Sarah Price in the side by sides is in second place over there, which is pretty cool. And then uh, for you, just for you, Landon, Carlos Sainz, senior, <laughs> by the way. Oh my god! <laughs> is leading in the cars over Sebastian Loeb by thirteen minutes. That's your update. I took right now. personal calls over that. Blunder last week, so my apologies. <laughs> you were called out hard, <laughs> really hard. Um, I think this has been a very, very long episode that we have gone through a lot. Thank you to Bob Pockers for coming on. We uh, we've gone through basically more motorsports on today's episode than I think anyone has in any podcast ever. That needs to be an achievement that is marked. By the way, buy a like and subscribe, right? There you go. <laughs> That's it. Uh, oh, no! 
We had Bob on, which means we can't get Kyle Bush on. Ah, all right. Well, we'll try for him next week. Landon, this has been good. Peace. Thanks for listening to the Money Lap. As always, check out themoneylap.com for the best five minutes in motorsports or sometimes just the coolest stuff in motorsports. Delivered directly to your inbox three times a week. Check us out on YouTube. We're growing fast over there. And, of course, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram. We're all over the Internet. We're spreading the word of how cool motorsports is. Check us out.